Thank you, Mike. Well, good Sunday morning to everyone. My name is Penny, and I welcome you to Unity of Centralia first Sunday of Advent service. I look forward to spending the next hour with each and every one of you. Today is the first Sunday of Advent. And it is the the Sunday of faith. So let's start today by reading from the daily word. And the word for the first day of Advent is faith. Faith lights my path and guides my way. As Advent season begins, my thoughts turn to faith. I believe my capacity to be hopeful assured, and strengthened as I embark on this journey of faith. Faith keeps me open to discovering reasons to have hope, even when I do not yet see any evidence for my hopefulness. Faith gives me assurance that my indwelling divinity, I love that, my indwelling divinity 
will lead me to accomplish all that I set out to achieve. Faith fortifies me with necessary strength to transcend my limited human knowledge, allowing divine wisdom to guide my thoughts and actions. I believe in good things to come and I believe in my ability to bring those good things to manifestation. I am grateful for the gift of faith. And from Romans chapter 15, verse 13, may God, may the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. beginning of the Advent season is a time set aside for spiritual pause, time for expectation and hope. Each of, the, each of the four weeks of Advent, we will light a candle signifying a feeling, an expectation for our spirit and for the world. Faith, hope, peace, and joy are center stage for the next four weeks. Please enjoy week one of the Advent Candle Ceremony. On this first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of faith. <coughs> Dear God, we enter into this Advent season immersed in your presence. At the beginning of this spiritual journey, our hearts are filled with many feelings, faith, joy, peace, and love. Throughout this season and beyond, the love in our hearts and the understanding of our minds guide us in all that we do. We are all one, and in this oneness with your presence, we find strength. In oneness with your presence, we find understanding. We find fulfillment. Today, our hearts are full and our minds are at peace. And from Luke 1, 26 to 28, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. Please join us while Mike and Karen lead us in Surely the Presence. Surely the presence of God's love is in this place. I can feel the mighty power and the grace. I can feel the rush of angel wings. I see glory on each face. Surely the presence of God's love is in this place. Surely the presence of God's love is in this place. 
Thank you. And just to let you know, we are going to repeat the Advent ceremony at the end of the service. It is just too good to miss out on the sound. So let's say the opening statement together. There is only one presence and one power active as the universe and as my life, God the good. I'm just checking in here to make sure everyone can hear me. Mike, can you wave your hand if you can hear? Okay, thank you. Welcoming song. Mike and Karen are gonna share boundless love. Okay, all right. All right. All right, here we go. Sometimes my old heart is like a washing machine. It bounces around till my soul comes clean. And when I'm clean and hung out to dry, I'm gonna make you laugh until you cry. Surround me with your boundless love. Confound me with your boundless love. I was drowning in the sea, lost as I could be when you found me with your boundless love. chance I should find myself at risk a 
but falling from this jagged cliff. I look below and I look above. I'm surrounded by your boundless love. Surround me with your boundless love. Confound me with your boundless love. I was drowning in the sea, lost as I could be. Thank you. I'll tell you one thing I can do at home that I wouldn't do at church is dance to the music. That's <laughs> kind of nice to be in my own living room. That was a good beat. Thank you guys for that song. You're welcome. So we can't hug, but we can wave. We can wave emphatically and ardently. So I don't have my screen on uh, gallery view. Can anyone see if we have new people with us today? Do we see any, anyone? Doesn't sound like it. So. We, well, we do have, we do have Bill Lindstrom. Oh. So shout out to Bill. And do you want to stop in, say something, Bill, or not? Am I unmuted now? You are. Ah, I am. Thank you. Um, my name will probably come up later. I was uh, Sandy's uh, traveling companion on the trip to the Middle East, um, which you'll hear about later. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Excellent. Excellent. Glad you're here, Bill. Glad you're here. So... We also have somebody from the 516 area code, or... That's probably my mother. I can't see because we don't have the computer working, so... But it's well, hi, hi, probably mother. <laughs> We're glad oh, yeah, you're here. Right. Right. Yeah, you're here. Could be my daughter, perhaps. Hi, could be daughter. <laughs> Not sure. The phone so, that's great. Great. Um, Announcements. Did anyone have anything to say? Again, Tom, I'll let you take the lead on that. Uh, I, I, well, we've got, what do we have? Board meeting in two weeks? Um, I, I don't know. What, what was I supposed to say? Um, if you see any hands raised. Oh, anybody? hands. Okay. Hands. Susan. Yeah, Susan um, well, I'm still hoping that three or four more of you will want to play with us on the 20th for our 12 powers candle lighting service. So um, please let me know. I sent a message to a few of you, but I haven't heard back from anyone. So let me know if you would like to join us. Otherwise you'll have to hear some of us twice. <laughs> okay, great, great. Donnie, unmute. Well, I sent out an email to everyone letting them know we still need a board member and an alternate member. 
and Gail has stepped up and said she's willing to serve as an alternate member. We're still looking for one single board member to serve a three-year position. If you're interested, please let me know. Thank you. Even if you're not interested, let him know. <laughs> okay, let's do the, the unity statement. We believe in our oneness with all life and the power of love. We teach universal principles and values as taught by Jesus and others, revealing our one God presence. We practice prayer, meditation, and service as a way to be conscious of our oneness in God. Okay, excellent, excellent. Mike and Karen, would you lead us in the song of joy? And I think you've chosen a song called Thanks a Lot. <laughs> yeah. It's another uh, children's song by Rafi. I think this one comes from the 60s or 70s. It's an old one. spring with the imagery and the, the bouncy melody. So that was beautiful. Our transitioning on our reader this morning is our reading this morning is from none other than Mr. Jerry Kaya. Oh, 
Yeah, I like the mystery part. <laughs> I take, I've taken uh, my reading from um, a book by Charles Fillmore, who was the founder of, co-founder of uh, Unity Church, and uh, he was quite a pro prolific writer. And, and uh, this book happens to be called Prosperity. It doesn't necessarily relate to uh, wealth uh, as far as prosperity goes, according to his definition. But anyhow, um, I mean, he had about four tenets there about prosperity that were helpful. And um, I'll start off, in your mind, see plenty everywhere. I'll re say that again. In your mind, see plenty everywhere. Yes, it is hard sometimes to overcome the thought that there is not enough. For it is an insidious thought that has been in consciousness for a long time, but it can be done. It has been done as being done by others. The prosperity law is not a theory, but a demonstrated fact, as thousands can testify. Now is the time to open your mind and to see plenty. And if you do see plenty, you will have an increase in your supply. Deny out of mind every thought of or black and affirm the abundance of good. The infinite substance that the infinite mind has given to you is all about now. You must now lay hold of it. It is like the air. You must breathe it in to get it. It is yours for the taking, but you must take it. You should cultivate this wonderful power of the mind to know that everything is bountiful and this power to lay hold of an invisible substance on the mind and be faithful, faith, bring it into forth to manifestation. Know with Job that we have as much now in reality and in truth as we ever have. There's no shortage, lack, or de depression with God. Do not be fearful, regardless of how outer appearances may affect others. Keep your head when, you, when all about you are losing theirs. Refuse to load up your mind with the old material thoughts of economy to the point of denial or you really need eliminate the old limiting ideas assert your freedom and your faith as a child of god do not spend foolishly or save foolishly the farmer does not throw away his wheat when he sows a field he knows how much so to sow per acre and does not stint for he knows that stinting sowing will bring a stinted harvest he sows bountifully but not extravagantly he reaps bountifully as he has sown whatsoever a man soweth shall he also reap he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly and he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully that reminds me of a story of my dad one time at the store a minister came in and he uh he was complaining about the lawn seed. He didn't think the lawn seed was any good. He didn't have very good luck. And my dad, uh, my dad's asked him a bunch of questions. And finally, my dad said, well, if you sow, so shall you reap. And that kind of put an end to the uh, complaints. <laughs> nice. Very nice and re very relevant. Thank you, Jerry. That's a nice lead in to our meditation song, Ad Burena May. Take it away, Mike and Karen.
Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Isaac. <laughs> the affirmations, one of my favorite parts of the service. So let's say them now. I am the love of God and expression. I am truly thankful for all the good I already experience. I am growing more prosperous with every day. I am healthy, active, whole and happy. I am growing and expanding into the fulfillment of my potential. And I am at peace knowing that everything I need comes to me in perfect time. Very nice. So today, I believe we have the traditional Lord's Prayer. Join me in the traditional Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and deliver us from error. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Um, I think you'll maybe impress that I did that from memory. So I might've left some out. If I apologize, I did, I apologize. So let's sing the Alleluia song. Alleluia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So, 25 years ago, Sandy Crowell joined the Unity of Centralia. She served on the board and participated in probably a couple hundred potlucks. Oh, more than that. <laughs> more than that. <laughs> so then about three years ago, she moved to Olympia and deepened her relationship with the Unity of Olympia. But we know that her heart is with us here in the Southern Unity family. Some of us had the good fortune to attend the Interfaith Thanksgiving celebration coordinated by Interfaith Works, which is a nonprofit providing homeless shelters in Olympia. And Sandy acts as a liaison for Interfaith. So an interesting fact about Sandy is she grew up on a cattle ranch in the Rockies where my own parents hail from. And importantly, most importantly, she's been involved in three regional history books, including The Land Called Lewis. As all of us know, one of her passions is travel. And we're fortunate to have her share one of her adventures in Egypt. Welcome, Sandy. Take it away. Thank you, Penny. You know, it's always just such a joy to, to be a part of this group. And I realize how much I miss, I miss being, being with you all. Um, I was talking to Susan Clutus one time and she said, you know, Sandy, you may have new friends at Unity of Olympia, but we're family. And I think that's that's very true. You all are very much, very much akin to to my soul. So uh, I'm just really delighted to be here and very happy that that I got postcards from several or cards from several people this week and um, a nice letter from the board with a, a bookmark. And it's that outreach is so important in these times of isolation. I know that it seems, uh, well, a year ago is when we were traveling to the Middle East. And about a year ago at this time, we were in Israel at the site of um, the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem, and also the site of the crucifixion in Jerusalem. 
So that was um, a very moving experience for me. And I shared that part of, of our journey with you at the last time I talked in May, I believe it was. So now I, I put in a big plug to, to continue with the story about, about Egypt. And that's what I'm going to share with you today. Even though we're, we're bogged down and isolated kind of, and there's so much bad news around us, sometimes it's good to remember the perspective that really this too shall pass. And even though it has been a year since I traveled there, um, it was looking back on it, you know, history doesn't get old. <laughs> history is, is always there and it's, it's always uh, has a voice of something that we can learn from. Uh, maybe the one thing Penny didn't mention in the introduction, introduction is that um, a, a new book has come out about the history of Thurston County and um, I get, I'm one of the authors and uh, one of the editors of that particular book. And it's, it's very similar to uh, the line called Lewis. But you know, the history of the, of the Northwest, which I am immersed in, as well as my travel companion, Bill Lindstrom, um, it's, it's really temporary. You know, we're talking here about the, a very short span of of, of Northwest history that goes back maybe, eh, if you, it, of course, a long ways if you count Native Americans, but uh, as far as recorded history, it only goes back a couple hundred years. So um, I'm always sort of uh, humbled by, by traveling to places where history is really old. And trust me, Egypt is that way. So join me as, as we escape from um, this this temporal part of our world and go to um, uh, come on come up there we go uh, the grandeur of of the grandeur of Egypt so um, uh, Bill and I left last year the day before Thanksgiving and returned right before Christmas. So while, while the trip was not that long ago, there has certainly been a lot that's transpired since. But um, you know what? The pyramids are still there. <laughs> so um, but before I delve into Egypt, I just want to share a little snippet about um, our, our journey to Jordan. Jordan, Petra Jordan is called the Rose City, and we went to a UNESCO World Heritage Site, which is listed among the seven wonders of the world. It was actually began, they think, about 300 years before Christ, and it was a Nabataean culture. They were a very well-developed culture that had a trade route along the Silk Road, and really pretty darn advanced, but the society pretty much disappeared and it was, was not discovered until uh, 1820. So I'm going to share just a couple of things about that. When, when you're walking along, you walk along what is called uh, the, whoops, I'm gonna go back here. Uh, when you're walking along this deep seek, which is a, a natural canyon, uh, and you hear the sound is so intense that when horses 
come by carrying with their little carriages, you have to run to the side, but the sound is so intense of those horse hooves. And then you get a peek through the seek of what is ahead. And it's this, the treasury that is carved out of rose stone. And it was never actually completed, but it, it just the, the, the remainder of this civilization with, um, with a, a large amphitheater and uh, numerous sites of tombs and um, all sorts of things carved, carved out of the hillside. So we were in awe of that, um, along with the other million visitors that visit each year. So um, our journey from Petra to Jordan, we, we passed through intense security. We had to go back through Israel and it had to have been at least, it felt like a mile or two toting our luggage, but we passed through numerous security points because of course it's, all of that is so political in the Middle East and security is very, very tight. And we, so we entered, entered into Egypt after dark, there was no one in the airport. We, uh, uh, and our adventure began there, but I'd like to share this map with you of, of Egypt because we were, we, we were entering into Africa, which kind of astounded me that, <laughs> okay, you know, we don't necessarily think of Egypt as being in Africa, but indeed it is. So uh, we, we crossed, um, from Israel and Jordan and entered, entered into Sinai. Um, just a bit of history overview, and I certainly won't go into great detail about this, but notice that, that this was 1300 years before Christ, the, the hieroglyphic writing was discovered. And then 27 years before Christ, they were using papyrus as a paper uh, to record things. And then here are some dates of some of the, the pyramids and some of the other things that I'll be showing you. But what was so confusing to me, it was, first of all, you know, all of this, this new stuff is so overwhelming. Um, to note that there were 32 different dynasties, just one of those dynasties was longer than the history of the United States. And that sort of blew me away. <laughs> okay, some of them were much shorter, but um, it ended that the, the dynasty periods of ancient Egypt ended with the, the uh, suicide of Cleopatra VII. But we think of Cleopatra, Cleopatra and it's Liz Taylor and uh, Richard Burton and all of that old stuff from the movie. Well, um, there were actually seven Cleopatras. So um, one of the guides said, why do you Americans put so much, so much into Cleopatra? Well, it's the movies. <laughs> so then um, just a, a little bit overview of contemporary history. Egypt was taken over uh, by the, the Byzantine Empire. Um, this is after the birth of Christ. The Arabs conquered Egypt. The Ottoman Empire con conquered Egypt. Napoleon invades from France. Um, 
Then the British came and took control in 1882. Finally, Egypt got independence after World War I. And then the Republic of Egypt was founded in 1952. Well, then um, Arab Spring came along in 2011 and that created uh, somewhat of an imbalance of power and uh, a military coup took over and President uh, Sisi is now in charge. Um, and our guide was very favorable toward uh, that particular regime saying that it was sparking all kinds of, of economic growth and so on, uh, which may, may or may not be true. Uh, reading the news, it may, may not be uh, totally true. But one of the things I noticed was when we were traveling, there are so many checkpoints on the, the roads and highways and you, we'd have to pass through these checkpoints with our guide. And um, every time that he would say Americans and we would be waved through instantly. And that seemed to be, I don't, I assume because of the economic power of American tourism that that, that, was, that was part of it. But we certainly felt, we certainly felt safe at all times. Well, not all times. Uh, the night that we left, we, well, okay, so we're in this dark airport in, on the border of Egypt, and there's one other American, and he goes somewhere else. So there are just the two of us, and a stranger approaches us and says, um, I'm your guide, and come with me. Well, we get into the car and it's, we find out that we're just going to have, we're not a part of a formal tour with a whole bunch of people on a bus. Uh, we are uh, alone uh, speeding across the Sinai desert with two complete strangers in the dark of night. And so we felt like we were, we were in a movie. It was like, Oh my gosh! Are my kids going to get a ransom note? Um, are, are we going to have? Are they going to sell the house? What's going to happen here? So, but anyway, it turned out that we were with the driver and guide alone. I mean, them, our personal people, for four days in Cairo. And when we woke up in the morning, we were in the site of the very spot where the Jews, after they escaped. Egypt camped for 40 years. And we stayed in this rock, uh, these, well, it was a rock motel, actually. It was um, very chilly, but very interesting. And then we woke to beautiful sunshine and all was okay the next day. <laughs> but we, we, had, we had a few doubts of what we were doing when we were um, in the middle of the night, in the middle of virtually nowhere. So in the next morning, as we were uh, doing some sightseeing, these are some of the things we saw. Uh, calf, caftans are the, the um, mode of dress for um, just many men and boys in, in Egypt. And I like this because we, we saw St. Catherine's Monastery that has been in place for, um, I think it was, it was uh, started in about 1600 BC or AD, I mean, after, after Christ. And 
there was that little kitty up there. And then the camel had to have breakfast too. So those are some of the, the enjoyable things about traveling that, um, of course, I, I just eat it up. But this was the scene of Mount Sinai. And this was the site of, assumed to be the site where Moses saw the burning bush. And although the bush no longer burns, there is a descendant of that particular bush in St. Catherine's Monastery. But the scene of the air was so crisp and clear and cold. And, um, and I was standing there just taking it all in and thinking, um, when I had somewhat an epiphany, it was like, gosh, look at you, you're getting to experience all this. What are you going to give back? And I realized that I needed to um, make sure that I do things of service that, that count to, to others and that matter in this world because not everybody gets to be at the site of the burning bush in the Sinai. So it was very humbling, humbling for me and really an epiphany for my life. So we travel along the Red Sea the next day, all the way, or that day, uh, all the way to, uh, and under, by the way, under the Suez Canal and uh, tunnels that have been, been put there. And, um, the new president had actually put a new tunnel, another tunnel in to facilitate the flow of traffic. Um, but he put it in in a month. So I, I'm not real sure that I would want to go through that particular tunnel, but the one we went through was, was very speedy and we were on to Cairo. So the next morning after a night in a hotel, we, we um, this is what we saw the Pyramid of Giza. The, the Pyramid, Great Pyramid of Giza is another uh, wonder of the world. And it was built, now imagine this. Okay, so we know approximately the birth of Christ, but think about it going back another 2,600 years. That's how long ago these people created this pyramid. Though there are many theories about how that may have occurred, one of the latest ones that I read was that they may have started at the corners and built it up. But imagine this, it's approximately 49 stories tall. Uh, the blocks, each block weighs between two, two tons and 80 tons. And there are 2.3 million of them. It was built by 2,000 workers at any given time over a 20 year space. But these, the people were, were not slave labor. They were well paid. They may have been peasants, but they were well paid, well fed, and went back to possibly their crops or whatever their lives were intermittently. So it was not built by slave labor as some have thought. What is amazing is the construction of that, possibly by some form of air compression that would, would create this tight bond that 
earthquake or weather or anything could not possibly uh, change or destroy. The reason for the pyramids and the reason why ancient Egypt is so fascinating and, and at the same time so confusing is that it was under divine kingship. The ruler was held in favor by the gods and therefore a living incarnation of the gods. So there was a mixture of mythology with the names, all these strange names of different rulers in 32 dynasties and, and what they, they accomplished. But so much of what Egypt is about, and I mean, the ancient Egypt was about the afterlife, how there was this strong belief in the, the, the life after death and how one had to prepare for it, especially the, the rulers and the, the people who were held in high esteem. So that's why they had to prepare all these elaborate tombs and, and their, their, uh, all their possessions that they took with them, the, the gold and the, the wealth that was established for these people to transcend. So, um, and through one of the things too was their their worship of because they were didn't have of course the scientific knowledge that we have and so the superstitions were that the things around them were gods and controlled what they saw and their environment i think that accounts for worship of jackals and bulls and uh, crocodiles um, I see that I'm, I'm running out of time, so I probably should scoot, scoot on ahead. Here is the, the Sphinx right close by. And if one of the, the interesting travel things, if you look closely at the top of its head, it's a bird. <laughs> so that gives, gives a tinge of reality. And the, the pyramid at one time was entirely white, and you see it from this angle. This step pyramid is the first one that was actually built and it is 4,700 years old approximately. And that in itself kind of blows the mind. But it wasn't all about history. We also had a whole lot of fun. Um, Bill went for a ride on, on a camel and I can't help but laugh when I look at this picture, he was laughing a lot. And then uh, I got snagged by an Arab man to, to wear, wear the uh, uh, Arab headdress. <laughs> so that was, that was kind of fun. Then we, we had lunch that day that was probably the best meal we had on the entire trip. It was, there was a Thermidor on our table where we were eating barbecued uh, chicken and lamb. And on the side was a lot of falafel, which we had a lot of, and uh, which Bill has vowed never to touch again in his lifetime. <laughs> uh, I, I still like it. It's a, a mixture of fried, of chickpeas, uh, deep fried. Then we, we went to the papyrus, um, the place where they were, um, well, it was, let's say it was a place to buy a souvenir of papyrus. But those are the things that, that we bought and had framed on the side when you'll see when we come home, when we came home. 
We visited the museum, the, the National Museum in, in Cairo, and it was amazing how much gold and wealth was bestowed on, on in those rulers and kings in, in ancient Egypt. And particularly the tomb of King Tut was pretty incredible. All of that, all of that wealth. This is, we went to the Coptic Christian church and this is the spot where, where the family, the Holy Family, when they fled to Egypt, when, when um, King Herod vowed to kill baby Jesus, that supposedly they drank from the well and they have camped on this particular spot. It's also the spot where baby Moses was found in the bulrushes because the, the Nile River has shifted and now this it's on land. Um, and how they know all this is probably an incredible work of archeology. span But this is the Coptic Christian church and the Coptics um, believed that there was a, um, uh, they had a, they believed that, that God was, in Jesus, God was both human and divine. Whereas uh, the, the Roman Catholic Church believed that there were two separate, separate entities. And uh, to the life of me, I can't imagine why they would argue over this for centuries, but there you have it. <laughs> so uh, we see the Coptic symbols carved on, on temples that were far, far older than the Coptic symbols were themselves, but it was like reclaiming. Maybe, maybe it, was, it was a form of, of Christian graffiti in that time. We went to the Muhammad Ali Mosque. No, 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 not based on the fighter. It was, this was, it, Egypt is very much of a Muslim country. You hear the call to prayer at five o'clock. There are minarets. There, the belief and my tour guide explained it so well, and I wished I had written it down. But it more like, uh, and again, because they, the ancient Egypt believed in so many different gods, they were um, mono uh, theistic or no polytheistic, so many, many gods, and Muslim. Christian and Muslim and Jewish faiths believe in, of course, one God, but they also have a strong belief in angels, the day of judgment, believe that fate is preordained. Of course, the call to prayer and women cover their hair. In the hotel where we were staying, there was a fairly large dining room. I was the only woman who didn't have her head covered. So that was that was interesting too. And when they separated us at the airport, no women here. I, I, a part of me rebelled against that, but I guess it was for security purposes. So in the mosque, and this is our guide to the left, Baker, and who explained really so many things. And we're still in touch with him. He's still our friend. As we were walking through, school children would flock around us because they wanted to practice their English. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? Little birds. After Cairo, we did do a jaunt to Alexandria, but um, in lieu of time, I won't talk about that. 
we we went to we spent days on the Nile River and when we looked at that map of Egypt one thing I didn't explain was that to us upper Egypt would be at the top like Cairo no that's lower Egypt upper Egypt is south because mm -hmm. of the way the Nile flows and it because it flows through uh, 19 different countries and it was really thrilling to get to spend several days uh, on a on a, a ship on the Nile. And this is what we saw, the Feluca and ruins along the side. Then worship in various forms. Uh, the whirling dervish who believe that by whirling they get into a spiritual state that connects them closer to God. And this is where the, the time when they were worshiping crocodiles, the crocodile mummies that they preserved which to us sounds, well, it sounds odd, but whatever. Mm -hmm. the, the hieroglyphics were just um, uh, amazing. And the temples, oh my gosh, this, the, the carvings, the statues. When we think of the word colossal, it actually comes from the statue Colossus. And it's, um, um, I didn't include it, but a picture of us standing by it, we were probably up to its ankle. <laughs> Quite the thing. And the Egyptologists, the, the guides are so, so well versed in all of all of the, the language. They can read the uh, hieroglyphics, they can interpret all the symbols, and there are many, many, many. Oops, let's go forward here. We saw the temple of, um, of Hatshepsut, I think I pronounced that right for a change, which is one of the most amazing temples. And the temples were built as uh, to, in honor, of course, of the gods and as a place of worship. The people had, and homes had their own ways and their own gods. So you can imagine how many gods there were running around. But this was a female pharaoh, one of the few, and immensely successful. And she ruled from 1479 to 1458. This is that many years before Christ. And her temple was quite a monumental feat. The temples at night were um, really all the, all the spirits that surrounded these amazing, amazing temples that are so soundly built and so, um, oh, just huge and, and incredibly impressive. <laughs> this I thought was a symbol. I like this picture because it symbolized to me um, Egypt's layered history. At the bottom is, is the, um, the ruins of a temple and you can see that and then it was built on the top of it was built a mosque. So that sort of describes how, how things were and, and this ancient past was not really discovered. I mean, it was known, but a lot of it was buried by sand. So, and, and buried because of, of various takeovers by various people and, um, 
And then probably, as I would think, at some point, maybe a disdain for, and, and certainly with the Muslims, well, and the Ottomans too, um, they didn't particularly approve of, of all the many gods that, that the ancients observed. Finally, my trip ended with what I would consider really the thrill of a lifetime. I took a hot air balloon trip over the Valley of the Kings, and it was so moving to see from the air this immense, these ancient structures and where uh, these people had developed their um, advanced, really advanced societies. And just uh, that sense of awe being touched by, by the whole thing. So I know that we're probably, uh, my time is, is probably up. Um, uh, but before I depart, I would like to lead us in a meditation. But I'm going to pause for a minute and kind of take a deep breath myself. And I ask for you to join me in taking a deep breath. So um, we'll, we'll get off of the hot air balloon and the, the frenzied travel in, uh, in Egypt and, and back, to, back to our moment in time. To start with, I'd like to read a piece from The Daily Word, a poem, especially in, in such troubled times and so much upheaval. This saying to my soul, where is peace? In the stillness? where struggle ends and I surrender to the oneness. Here my breath guides me back to myself in the present. God's holy creation with infinite possibilities. Be still and know that I am. Please take a deep breath and go into that quiet place that joins us with our own personal oneness with spirit.
Join me in prayer. Mother, Father, God, we ask your, your blessings and we ask that you grant peace to the troubled souls of the world, that we grant that you be with those who are ill, that you be with those who are troubled. As we view ourselves in the, the span of history and the souls that have existed for thousands of years on this earth, we realize that we are just a small fragment and this too will pass on. And how we live our lives and how we seek out the joy of each day has a new meaning, a special meaning as we learn to be kinder to others, to listen, to communicate, to share our own blessings in many ways that we can. In Jesus' name, in God's name, in the spirit of Mother, Father, God, we pray. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Sandy, for sharing. It's fascinating to see the biblical places, but Bill, I have to disagree about falafels. They are one of my favorite foods, but I can imagine how humbled you felt. And just, I felt humbled just watching your experience. So thank you very much. So thank you for the, the opportunity. You are welcome. For the offering, we thank you all for sending your offerings and we appreciate each contribution sent to the church at 800 South Pearl Street. And I also thank you for all the ways you give of your time, your talent and your treasure. Your gift of being here today means more than you know. Now let's say the offering prayer as we hold it in our hands and in our hearts. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I give and all that I receive. Thank you. Let's together say the blessing of thanks. We bless these gifts and send them forth to heal, bless, and prosper. They are evidence of our faith and belief. They do good work in the world and return to us multiplied abundantly. And so it is. At this time, let's focus our collective group healing energy for anyone and everyone. Just call out the name of someone or hold them quietly in your heart. Beloved Mother, Father, God, we ask for the highest and greatest good for our brothers and sisters and ever endeavor to see them through your eyes, knowing all is in divine order. Amen.
And now for the prayer of protection. The light of God surrounds us. The love of God enfolds us. The power of God protects us. The presence of God watches over us. Wherever we are, God is and all is well. So we're going to sing the peace song. And right after the peace song, we are going to do the, the candle ceremony again. I appreciate you sticking around. Um, this time we're going to do the candle ceremony with sound so that you can hear our candle lighter say the words of Advent. So. Peace on earth and 